How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. On this episode, I have to start it with a question. What would it take for you to walk across burning hot coals that are 1400 degrees? That's right. That's some pretty hot stuff. And uh, my guest, Lori Hudspeth, teaches you how to do it. She does workshops where you spend the day getting in touch with who you are and what you're capable of, and then you end the the weekend by walking across hot coals. It's pretty darn cool. She calls it the goddess warrior path, although she does it for guys too. Um, She's got the events coming up uh, that are female groups, and uh, I asked her, well, what about guys? Do they get to do this too? And she said, absolutely. So get a group together you guys, and uh, she doesn't co-ed them, um, so she keeps them separate, and so if you got a group of guys that want to learn how to do the fire walk, then uh, you can contact her. Um, so it's goddesswarriorpath.com is the website, goddesswarriorpath at gmail.com is her email, and of course I'll put that on my heyhumanpodcast.com links. Um, the Her events that are coming up in the near future, she's got an October 11th through the 15th goddess warrior path event and that's in highlands north carolina she's got a november 9th through 11th in nashville tennessee and next year in 2018 march 18th through 24 in hawaii so that's pretty cool so Lori is many things she is a firewalker a shaman a hypnotherapist an intuitive life consultant and a minister so you know, you can walk across hot coals and then she can marry you. That's pretty cool. Um, we talked about all sorts of things, her childhood and, you know, when she first discovered her gifts and how she goes through life and uh, her purpose and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's really fascinating. Y'all know I love this sort of thing. I'm so fascinated by what humans are capable of. And, and I mean, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but I freaking love it. I love learning about all the different ways to engage in the universe. Um, Speaking of engage, (laughs) just a little side note, I watched Star Trek Beyond um, the other night as I was, you know, tucked in and um, man, it was good. It was so much fun. And at the end, when they did the final little thing, I got pretty misty because, you know, Leonard Nimoy died and it just, I don't know, I started crying when they did the the thing that they do, you know, to boldly go where no man has gone before. I just love it. Anyway, totally Star Trek nerd. What can I say? Um, in other news, uh, I'd like to give a shout out again to the contributor. I think I might have done this as well last week in honor of the year, uh, the year episode. But the contributor here in Nashville did an article about podcasts making waves, and they included Hey Human, and I'm very thankful. Um, it was a cool article, and I posted it on the facebook.com slash heyhumanpodcast. So if you want to check that article out um, in digital form, it's up there on the Facebook. Uh, don't forget to follow instagram.com slash heyhumanpodcast, and then... I don't know if you heard the news. It's not earth shattering, but I'm going to not do a Hey Human Twitter 
because it just seems silly to try and operate two Twitters, and I already have Susan Ruthism, which is S-C-U-S-A-N-R-U-T-H-I-S-M. So follow me on Susan Ruthism Twitter. Um, I'll just, I mean, I always put all the posters and all the stuff um, on my Susan Ruthism anyway, so I'm kind of doubling down. So you 22 people who follow me on Twitter, <laughs> on the on the Hey Human Twitter, I've got a lot more followers on the Susan Ruthism Twitter. So anyway, blah, 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 social media, social media. Um, what else? Uh, email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. And I'm on uh, the podcast apps for iOS and Android phones. So if you happen to notice that I'm not on a podcast app that you like, although then you wouldn't be getting this message because I wouldn't actually be on that app. So maybe that's a silly thing to even bring up. I was just going to say email me and tell me that I'm not on a particular podcast um, platform. I think I'm on all of them though at this point. So there's that and it doesn't matter. If you get a chance, go to iTunes and review Hey Human. I really appreciate it. Um, And what else? I don't know. Just keep on keeping on. I'm going to LA soon and I'm going to do some interviews while I'm there that I'm really excited about. Um, This past week I did a bunch of really cool not interviews, conversations. I don't know why I call them interviews. They're really, they're not interviews. Well, maybe they're a little bit, but not really. Anyway, that's all I got. Sort of hitting rambling, rambling time as I want to do. Uh, yeah. Drop me an email. Send me emails. I love it when I get emails from you guys. Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. Okay. Okay, cool. Enjoy. Here we go. Hi, Lori. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on Hey Human. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Me too. Okay, so before I turn on the... Uh, so, uh, Lori Hudspeth, first of all, is your full name. Before I uh, turn turned on the thing, uh, you said that you wanted to do a little ceremony. So, talk about that. Okay. Oh, well, before... Actually, before we even do that, you are a shaman, a firewalker, you're a medium. You're Correct. a short medium, though. <laughs> I had to get that joke in. <laughs> I'm a petite medium. A petite medium. <laughs> petite medium. Right. And what else? Am I missing anything? Um, you know, I, I'm a, I do hypnosis. Okay. I really, and I do subconscious mind training. Okay. Which I'm a big fan of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. I listen to, to those sorts of things at night a lot. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I love oh, that's it. great. I love right. It. Right. Yeah. Yes. They've it's helped a, a lot. It's very important. You yeah. know, 90% of... I'm a big Everything fan. we do is from our subconscious. Absolutely. Right. So we have to work with it. So what is this that you're going to do now? So first us. thing I'm going to do is I always open sacred, sacred space. Mm-hmm. And in many traditions, there's different ways of doing that. So if you're Christian, maybe you say a prayer. If you're Catholic, you make the sign of the cross and then you say a prayer. Right. In um, ancient shamanism and different tribes have... Mm. Different tribes have <coughs> different <coughs> ways... Oh, sorry. Now that my coughing attack is done. All right, so you are going to clear the... I'm going to clear the space and create sacred space, which means it's only what we allow in it. Okay. So that we don't have any outside interference. No interlopers. No interlopers, no curiosity seekers in the spare world. Yeah. All right, so... Because they're drawn to stuff, I guess. They are drawn and they can interfere. All right, so every indigenous tribe uses different archetypes. And do you want... um, 
each archetype representing something. So if people want to do research on it, they can. Okay. But every tribe. I'll has. put links on everything. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. All right, great. So in the South, first thing I'm going to do, I'll call in serpent. Serpent's about, a really brief description is serpent's about shedding the past. Okay. Allowing our past to shed away, just like a serpent sheds their skin. Mm -hmm. In the West, we tend to pick at our issues one scale at a time. Huh. Serpent sheds all their skin. When they grow, they outgrow it. Yeah. And then the other thing I like to say is that serpent doesn't then walk around showing everybody their skin. <laughs> it just leaves it behind. It doesn't say, oh, look at what I overcame. And not that our stories aren't important, because they are. They make us who we are, but we don't want to live in our story. Yeah. We don't want to constantly be visiting the hurt, sure. right? Then in the West, we have Jaguar. Jaguar is the lord of the jungle in Peru, which is where the tribes that I've studied with, the indigenous tribes, Jaguar can see in the dark. Jaguar knows the way across the rainbow bridge. So Jaguar is going to come and protect our medicine space, but also help us bring into the light the things that need to come into the light so they can heal. In the north, we have Hummingbird, Royal Sirenkente Hummingbird, the one who knows those mythic maps, right? They make the mythic journey every single year. So with what we're doing today and every single thing that I do in my life, right? I'm trying to find my way, trying to find my map. So Hummingbird is gonna help us, but that's also the place we're gonna invite our ancestors to come, our lineage, those who came before and those who'll come after. Hmm. All right, then in the East, we have Eagle. So Eagle represents a lot for a lot of people, but everyone knows that Eagle flies to the highest heights. So anytime we're, we're bogged down in the muck and the mire and the details, sometimes we wanna to go to Eagle. So we're gonna call in Eagle to bring in spirit, to bring us to those highest dreams. And then we have Pachamama, Mother Earth, which is the great mother, the one who provides everything for us. And so that, that's really enough said. We're gonna honor Mother Earth, and then we're gonna honor Father. So being the sky, being the sun, being infinite spirit. So we're, so we're completely creating a huge bubble, right? So that's the briefest of descriptions, but awesome. that's what it is. And with the spirit water, you'll hear me blow, I'm using my breath to call these archetypes in. So these are these are the archetypes that are um, connected to me, and they'll come in. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So here we go. <laughs> to the winds of the south, great serpent, sad Chamama, come and wrap your coils of light around us. Teach us to shed the past, the way you shed your skin, to walk softly on the earth. Teach us the beauty way. A hope. To the winds of the west, or Tarongo, mother, sister, jaguar, come and pad around our medicine space. Be with us. You who knows the way across that rainbow bridge to transformation. Thank you for coming and being part of our medicine space, helping us to bring into the light those things that need to be healed. Aho. <laughs> To the winds of the north, hummingbirds, grandmothers and grandfathers, ancient ones. Mm. To my lineage and to Susan's lineage, welcome, welcome, welcome. Come and whisper to us in the wind. You who've come before us and you who'll come after us, our children's children. Aho! <laughs> to the winds of the east, great eagle condor, come to us from the place of the rising sun. Teach us how to fly wingtip to wingtip with a great spirit, showing us those mountains we only dare to dream of. Thank you for always lifting us up above the muck and the mire to give us the bigger picture. Uh oh.
Pachamama, sweet, sweet mother, you who are the great mother who never, ever forsakes us. Thank you for always providing for us, for allowing us to be a part of you. Thank you for taking everything that we ever shed off and making it new again. We know we've gathered for the healing of all your people, the two-legged, the four-legged, the fenned, the furred, and the creepy crawlers, all our relations. A hope. To the Star Nation, Star Brothers and Sisters, Father Son, Grandmother Moon, Infinite Spirit, you who are known by a thousand names and yet you who are the Enameable One, Thank you for watching over our medicine space and thank you for allowing us to sing the song of life one more day. Oh, Beautiful. Thank you. And that's it. It's very simple and just creates a sacred space. Yeah, it feels really good. It does, my, my hair <laughs> stood up a bit. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go all the way back. You're a little kid born into this world. How, what the heck happened? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, you know, growing up, I always had a really deep connection to outdoors, to the earth, to animals. We had horses and dogs and cats and guinea pigs and, yeah. you know, anything and everything. And I would just find myself, though, walking in the woods. And that's where I felt more of me mm-hmm. than I was anywhere else in the world. Uh, and life... You know, life kept happening. I played sports. I did a lot of different things. And I started to notice, though, that my view of the world was maybe a little bit different. When I got older, though, I had a memory of being about three or four years old and seeing a spirit. Um, I, and the memory didn't hit me till I was in my 20s, and actually my dad brought it up. That mm. Do you remember the time you thought there was a man downstairs? And as soon as he said it, I saw it again. And what I realized as an adult was I saw a Civil War, so, Civil War soldier standing. You grew up here. I did. I grew up in Nashville. Yeah. And it turns out I grew up right where the Battle of Nashville happened. Wow. There's a Civil War wall that was above our house that not many people know is even there. It's in the woods. All the kids knew because we found it hiking. Um So I saw him, and my dad ran downstairs like anyone would and looked and said, see, there's no man here. And so I think I started to shut that part out a little bit until I got older. Mm -hmm. And then when I was a teenager, I had given up TV for Lent. I grew up Catholic. So I gave up TV for Lent, and I remember sitting in my bedroom and having um, the Blessed Mother. I saw her. And to this day, I cannot, I don't know if she said anything. Because if she did, it's not time for me to know what it was. But I remember seeing her apparition, and I know exactly where it was. And in that moment, I knew that um, I was supposed to serve her and serve um, God's spirit, you know, that that was supposed to be my calling. I actually thought I was supposed to be a nun. I was going to write the Pope and go in early to the convent. I just was convinced because my example of a holy life was you know, the Dominican nuns, because yeah. they taught me. Do you think, um, because the Catholics are so open to spirit world, they're, you know, they have all the saints, they they have mm-hmm. the exorcisms, they have all this thing. Do you think if you had been raised up in a different faith, it would have altered 
anything or do you know what I mean like I do I do actually I think the Catholic I come from a very long line lineage on my mother's side of Catholics Mm -hmm. we had nuns we have a priest in the family right now we have but they they actually ran schools and did those things oh wow and then after talking to my mother who was very psychic and she was talking about her grandmother who was very in tune and psychic but very catholic yes. and i do believe that catholics are some of the greatest mystics there are and when i the more i study in the ancient shamanistic practices the shamanic practices i can see that thread through catholicism yeah. for instance the frankincense when yeah. when they're using incense they're clearing the church they're yeah. clearing their people yeah. of any dark heavy energy sure, sure. so i i value my Catholic upbringing and the ritual. I love ritual. Oh my gosh. And ritual and ceremony. Loved it. I crave it. And, and I think we have, I love the Latin. Yes. And I took Latin. Yeah. I did too. I don't remember any of it. I I I remember remember some of it when, uh, I mean, I wasn't raised Catholic, but I think my parents in an effort to make sure I never got to have sex, sent me (laughs) off to Latin camp in the summer. Latin camp? (laughs) There's a thing. Any girl that knows Latin is never going to have sex, I guess. (laughs) Latin camp. (laughs) Yep. Yep. In Idaho. In In Moscow, Idaho. Their friends, uh, uh, the Lushniks, they, uh, so yeah, I would go and study. What Latin. do you do at Latin? Camp? But now when I'm in museums, you know, I can I can recognize a few words here and there, and right. which is pretty cool. The so, roots. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yes. go on. Sorry. I remember. I remember saying, <laughs> I like, "Why are we?" Stu- the The first school I went to was an all girls Catholic high school, and mm. I remember thinking, "Why are we studying a dead language like this?" Well, you used to be required. It but did, in my right. parents' generation, to get your doctorate, you had to you had to know a dead language and two modern languages. It was required. <laughs> They just don't require right. that anymore. No, now they're considering no. not teaching cursive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So I do. I love the Catholic uh, ritual and ceremony. Yeah. You know, and the mysticism mm-hmm. and all the saints. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's so interesting because the saints, right, they all had their um, special gifts. Absolutely. And uh, that's a great example when you're growing up as a young child to look and go, oh, there are people who had gifts besides Jesus. Yeah. You know, we had all these saints. And the downside of that is, is that I felt like I had to be a martyr in order to be holy, mm. quote unquote. That's a heavy burden for a child. Well, that seems to be the way that it went. Like you had a gift and then you were killed. Right. Right. In a very unpleasant way, generally. Generally horrible. Yeah. So <laughs> lots of suffering. Yeah. Well, yeah. It wasn't, yes. Yeah. Correct. So I... Um, have since cleared that that belief, but I do think that belief held me back, that martyrdom part. So, so your parents, when you said, "Hey, I see this man," or you know, you're seeing things, they they didn't say, "Oh, time to take you to the psych ward." They they were supportive. They understood that you were actually seeing something. It sounds like. If it, well, I don't know. If your uh, you mom know, had the gift as well, and well, my mom wasn't there. That happened. She didn't happen to be there that day. Oh, okay. and my dad said. There's, nothing There's there. nobody down here. Yeah. So I don't know if they just, you know, I don't know. What do you do when your child says they see well, was, somebody? You try to calm them down. I was obviously very scared. My friend Sam, his daughter, um, had a conversation with the upside down people that he overheard <sighs> one night. He was mm. walking down the hall and he heard her yelling at these upside down people and telling, and they were apparently telling her bad things and that, you know, all this stuff. And so he went in and talked to her. He said, you know, you have dominion over them. It's not the other way around. 
you know, you can tell them to leave if they're not nice and that kind of thing. And I thought, well, that is the perfect answer. Instead of telling a child, no, there's nobody there. Right. Give them their power and, and or let them foster their power and say, it's up to you to, you know, tell these things to leave or whether or not you believe in it. I think that's a really healthy answer. It is a very healthy answer. Yeah. It is. Good and job, he, Sam. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. That's so true. But, and that is a thing for parents to do because I do get those phone calls of my son saw someone mm-hmm. or is talking to people at night or is afraid and comes mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. or we see something now on the security camera mm-hmm. because now we have some eyes that we didn't have, you know, why do the lights keep going off and what's going on? And we always want to comfort our children. And, and ourselves, a, I think, too. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yeah, fear is huge yeah. around this. Yeah. Because it's not exactly like your gun or your baseball bat is going to get that, whatever that is, out. Yeah. And so that lack of control kicks in. Were like, you scared when you were little, as you were? Um, I knew that there were spirits downstairs in our basement. And so... It's so funny. I would go down there, but I would run up the stairs because I could feel them behind me. Mm. And I always felt like they were grabbing me. Mm. And these are things I've never told anybody. Mm. So I would just run up. I would just run as fast as I could up the stairs because... They were probably like, well, you can see us. <laughs> you know? Well, they were. And you know, like the movie, I see dead people. He didn't know what to do. Yeah. You know, in the sixth sense, yeah. he didn't know I what to do movie. with, right. I do too. And he didn't know what to do yeah. with his gift. And this, I think this does happen. It doesn't matter what your gift is. If you don't know what to do with it, it can feel like it's a negative yeah. and it, and it can be point. really heavy. So all your, so part of my lifelong mission is to help people discover their gifts or if they already kind of know what they are to help them understand that it's not only okay, yeah. it's a blessing and that it's yours to do in the world. And the Catholic church did that for me. I'll, I'll remember the nuns specifically saying in a religious, a religion class, your gifts are yours, and you if you don't use them, it's a sin. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be sinful. And so that whole finding out what are my gifts, that brought that, helped me realize, like, if I don't, if I have a gift and I don't use it, then the world's missing something. Yeah. And every person has that. There's not one that's any better than another. Yeah. It's just that they're all different. That's the important thing. That's awesome. Like, your unique gifts are yours. Right. There's no one else like you. Well, it's from our mutual friend, Ellen, which is how right, we met. Right. Ellen gets brought up in like every <laughs> podcast. It's so funny. She's, she's famous by proxy. And it's not Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, who I love, by the way. But no, it's Ellen Severe. Um, anyway, she said, uh, she said, you know, people are always saying that everyone has the gift to do what you do, um, but they just don't know how to tap into it. Do you believe that to be true? She said, ask her if she thinks that's true. And, and I always tell people that too. I say, everybody has gifts you just have to figure out kind of how to foster them and train them like if you're a singer and you want two octave range instead of one octave range then sit and sing until you find that range you know it's a practice yeah, it's a, it's true it's a developing a muscle if you will so do you feel that that that's i do yeah. we're all spiritual beings every one of us so it, learning how to use um, remembering. It's really about remembering. Mm. The whole thing is about remembering. Mm-hmm. There's this moment I've done breath work, which is a holistic modality. When you go back and you do a certain type of breathing in order to rebirth yourself. And so I got to experience this moment of right before my birth mm-hmm. of me saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. 
I don't want to go into the world. I don't want to go. No, it's and my guide and, and right and all my guide said, "You chose this." But having that remembering of, oh yeah, I chose this. I'm the one who raised my hand and said, "These Pick are the yeah. uh, these are the things I will accomplish yeah. during my lifetime." And it sounds great when you're when you're in the spirit world, but then when you get in this earthly body and you realize, oh, this is like a lot of work. Like, and it can cause it, you know, there's some pain involved at times. Then you go, oh, I don't know, and you want to shrink away. And every one of us, we're spiritual beings. We're all spiritual beings, our energies. So, yes, it's like a vehicle sitting out there. Until you go put a key in it and learn how to drive it, it's useless. Yeah, I kind of, I feel like addiction has a lot to do with that very thing. And that the people who come into this world may be extra empathic or highly intelligent or whatnot. You know, they have a higher tendency a lot of times to, 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 put that drug and alcohol on them to numb them out to so that they don't they can't feel and i feel like yeah. that's exactly why is because right. they are they are those beings and some little voice in their heads are saying this sucks just let's just take it out it's true yeah. I, I tried to kill myself oh you did i did how old um i was about 17 wow what happened i i got drunk with my friend Mm-hmm. There were two of us. Or were you three already depressed? Or was I was it... already depressed. Yeah. And I didn't know why. And I can, when I look back, I, I believe it's because um, I felt like I think my gifts were really there. And I knew I felt different. This was after seeing the Blessed Mother, which I didn't tell anybody. There was a, a lot of shame with actually seeing her because only special people see oh, her. Feeling unworthy. I didn't feel worthy at all. Uh, and I, so I didn't tell anybody. And, um, I remember when I saw her, she was there for such a long time. I couldn't like blink and make her go away. And I really felt unworthy. And, um, because teenagers already feel unworthy. Right. Well, and I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to tell somebody and then they, they don't want to be around me because now, well, who do you think you are? You know, or maybe you're crazy or any of those things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crazy yeah. would have been a, yeah. Or you're making this up. And so if, and it felt so sacred that I just kept it a secret. Yeah. And as, as my teenagers progressed, which are really hard anyway, uh, as those progressed, I just decided I didn't want to do this anymore. And I think when I look back now, it's because I have been through a lot of trials and tribulations and dark night of the soul. I've had three near death experiences and I think there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to have to walk through, talking about fire walking, walking through all that fire to get to the other side. I'm just going to quit. And, and the Catholic Church comes back up because they said, if you kill yourself, you go to hell. That's their, their biggest sin. So it scared yeah, me to death. Right. And then I kept thinking, how could I quit on Is God? Is it the biggest sin? I don't I feel know like killing yourself biggest. is worse than murder in some cases. Yes. Yeah. It's like a big, Well, it's, it's the potential. One. You take out the potential. Mm. And I didn't want to quit on God, but I didn't know how to do... I had. I didn't have anyone I could ask. Mm. Now, I was in a little... I had a little school counselor. But, you know, when they give you the look of like, are you half crazy? Then you're going to back up because you don't want to be locked up. Because you can see and hear and know things before they happen Mm -hmm. and one of my childhood friends said you've always so interesting she said you've always been that way just drive down the road and be like nope that's it that's that's where i need to be so i've always had this deep intuition for myself that would tell me exactly where to go i didn't know what to do with it 
and I certainly didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I remember telling my mom when I was very, very, very little, Mom, I don't really feel like I'm here. And I remember her having a, a very, um, she didn't know what to do with that. So I just kind of started getting quiet about the things that might seem a little different. It's than... hard to be in two worlds at the same time. <laughs> it, would, it is. It would feel very surreal to, you know, to feel like you're not there because you're right. not really anywhere. You're everywhere. Uh, everywhere. It's very and, confusing on a child. And walking between the two. Yeah. It seems easy to me because I know the way. Now. Now. Yeah. Well, I know what's happening now. Yeah. So, um, but so, yeah, I, you know, I decided that um, alcohol makes it a little easier to just go, you know what? I am really done. And so one night, I I don't know that I've ever told anybody this except for about two people, but one night I, and now you and more, um, one night we were out driving around. We were in Ashland City, which is out in the country here in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And we stopped. I wasn't driving, but I was drunk, but I wasn't driving. The person who was driving wasn't really drinking and wasn't paying attention either. And I, I remember going over to this ledge. It was a big concrete ledge. And I sat on the edge. Now, I'm afraid of heights. And this is really far down. Well, so what I did was I kind of jumped, but I held on with one arm with and dangled off the edge. Like, I guess I was just seeing if I really wanted to do it. And my friend was like, are you, what are you doing? And it was really far. We're talking like 50 feet easily to concrete below. So she grabs me and pulls me up. And I remember us getting into a really big fight. And I started walking over this bridge. It was a bridge over this huge river. It's at night and I'm leaving her. I'm like, just leave me alone. And I start walking over and a pickup truck comes, is coming over the bridge. So I went into the road and he couldn't see me because we're in pitch black and I'm standing in the road and the truck's going to hit me. He's not slowing down. He, he can't see me. And all of a sudden my friend did this, uh, Yvonne did this whole flying tackle thing. <laughs> I don't know what happened. All I know is I ended up in the other side of the street on the ground and she screamed at me and picked me up and hit me and told me, what are you doing? It was trying to knock some sense into me. And, but I remember feeling so numb. I was just standing in the street. I'm like, no, this is it. I'm just going to go. And I think part of the reason I wanted to leave was because of my connection to God, knowing, well, if I die, I'm going to go be with God anyway, and it'd be easier. You know, there's this whole place, but I really wonder uh, more of it being, gosh, I just don't know what to do with my gifts. And I don't know what this means. Mm. So what is it I'm carrying that feels so heavy? And what is it that I'm supposed to do? And was he, was, uh, were people visiting you, uh, during this whole process? Were you seeing, still seeing things? I was the biggest thing for me was my mom. We went to the Grand Canyon and her lifelong friend, was a river guide on the Grand Canyon, and he had gotten a private rowing trip, which you cannot get. It takes 15 years or something now to get a trip. And we had talked to him about, oh, isn't that fabulous? And he said, do you all want to come? So we got to go. And I was 18. This is right after all of this. And we actually got to go twice, two years in a row. Mm -hmm. And on the second trip in the Grand Canyon, mm -hmm. which is one of the most mystical places, and there's only three boats and there's only 12 of us, I think, and we have a private trip. We're rowing and camping and doing all of that. On day two, our my raft flipped over in a rapid, and I almost drowned. And the whole experience, 
um, uh, when the raft flipped over, um, one of the Coleman stoves, which is a metal stove, hit me in the head, knocked me under. Holy even deeper, I got trapped under the raft. I thought, I'm going to, this is it, I'm going to die. And I was breathing in water. <clears throat> I had held my breath as long as I could. And I couldn't get out because we were in this huge rapid. And in the Grand Canyon, the rapids are, they're actually over a class 10. And for anyone who whitewater rafts, the only place they are over 10 is in the Grand Canyon. And that is like the worst rapids you can ever be in. And I got trapped. And when I finally got myself out from under the raft, I started swimming, but I was still in the rapid. They're really long. And this whirlpool sucks me down. And I go really, it goes really, really dark. And I'm like, I'm dying. I'm, this is it. I'm, I'm dying. And I heard a voice say, you wanted to die. And now is your chance. And no one will know that you killed yourself. No one will know. You won't have that shame. You won't have anybody, oh, what happened to Lori? Because nobody knew I was suicidal. It'll look like an accident. What do you want to do? And I said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And I started saying Hail Mary. Because being Catholic, that, and I started just saying Hail Mary full of grace underwater. And it was jet black. And I mean, I had sucked, been sucked. I don't even know where I went. And it was very still. There was, I didn't hear a noise. I didn't, it was... I was in this in-between worlds place and all of a sudden this white white light comes down through the whirlpool because and I could because I could see and I went shooting straight up popped straight out got my breath and um but then I had to fight for my life the rest I, I ended up through six more rapids three miles in the river now oh if that's not bad enough the water was 34 degrees yeah and so I was hypothermic beyond. Yeah. And every rapid that I would come to, because nobody could rescue me, every attempt failed. And I, all sure of this. Everyone was going insane. I'm writing a book, so everyone, the whole account will be in that. But um, when I, I grab onto the raft and I look and go, oh no, I mean, I got to save my life again. And there was a point where I yelled to my mother because she was behind me. And I, I just thought, I can't do it anymore. And I started yelling, mom, to her. You know, it's this innate little kid in me starts screaming, Mom. And I see her put her hands on her head. And I'm like, I cannot die. She will blame herself the rest of her life. So it gave me this extra burst to live. Well, I get through the rapids and they pull me out. I kind of barely remember. I remember being pulled out of the river, sitting on the raft and looking down and my skin was blue. I remember, and I wasn't shaking. I remember looking down going, I'm blue. And then the next thing I remember, I wake up in a sleeping bag with my mother. They take all your clothes off of you and put you body to body. And I was just chattering nonstop. And she was calming me down and doing all this relaxation techniques with me. But one of the miracles that came out of it, besides the fact that I lived, for me was they said within about an hour of me being in the sleeping bag after they got us to the shore and tried to get me out of severe hypothermia. And remember... We have no walkie-talkie. There's no 911. I mean, this is it. You're If you die, you die. And they said six doctors, doctors, in a rafting trip came up within an hour and got out and went up and checked on me. Wow. And I remember telling my mom later, I don't think they were really there. I don't think, I mean, I do think they were there, but I don't think they were on a rafting trip. I think they were angels or guides that because who do, we you know, they only allow two trips a day 
And the fact that anybody came by, and I happened to be six doctors, yeah. and mom said they checked on me and said she's going to be fine, yeah. and then left. Yeah. I've read about stories like that where, you know, they're like in horrific car accidents, and somebody will just show up, and then and they'll maybe pray, or it'll be a doctor right. or something. Something will happen, and then nobody can find that person, and the, and the victim lives to see another day, you know? Yeah. And there are a lot of those stories. I believe that. Where, where more than one person witnesses the, so it's not like a hallucination of the person that's hurting. It's, it's, unless it's a mass hallucination, <laughs> you know, but I don't No, because there is that ability, you know, you hear about shape shifting and things, but why couldn't that happen? I mean, that, that thing is, we're exactly. only limited with our mind, right? Absolutely. And I don't remember it happening. So there's also a part of me that wonders if I hadn't jumped out of my body and they're like, we need to put her back in. It's not our time. Like, right. let's just. Well, I, you know, I Lori, get back in your body. This is, you get to choose. What What do you want? Are right. you staying? Or are you going? Yes. So th- did things amp up after that? As they far did. As- they did. Actually, that started, kicked everything into gear for me. Yeah. And what was crazy was about six months later, my best friend killed herself. Wow. So, and it was one of the most horrific experiences because I got to witness what I would have put everybody else through Yes, for me. So I was having this duality. Did she come visit you? She did. She's visited a lot. What did she say? A lot. She said that it was her time to go. You know, everyone, we, our judgment of how things are like, Oh, it's tragic. She died. You know, that's our judgment. It was her time to leave. And and her death was a huge lesson for so many people. Yeah. And I believe in stuff like that. Yeah, it was a huge lesson. Yeah. Right? But it was her time to go. And she had done what she came to do. Yeah. And sometimes the final act is what you came to do. Yeah. And so she's, she helps a lot, you know, with my life. She shows up and helps. And Do you believe in reincarnation? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe we've spent many, many lifetimes together. Yeah. Yeah. You and the girl. Yes. Yeah. Me and a lot of people. Yeah. I run into all my soul family all yeah, the time. Yeah. I mean, you're probably part yeah, of my yeah. soul family. <laughs> yeah. From the yeah. moment I met you, I'm like, yeah. oh, I know her. Yeah. Yeah. I right. just had that conversation. I had uh, Ryan Rado. I talked to him yesterday for the podcast. His his episode will come out for your episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, I'm like, man, it's funny. Just to meet somebody, you're like, oh, there you are. I right. Re- I remember you. Well, and you know what I say a lot of times? Like, where have you been? Yeah. Like, I've been like. You know, I've been here 46 years. Like, what took you so long? Yeah. Like, why haven't we crashed into each other wherever? But it wasn't time. Yeah, exactly. Everything yeah. is on its timeline. Yeah, we do travel in soul families. I do believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then people that you have in the past, in a past life, that maybe you helped, sometimes they come back to help you in this life. Mm-hmm. And then if you've wronged them in another life, guess what? You get to help them in this life. Mm-hmm. Because that's karma, mm-hmm. right? You have to so work it out. How did you, so to explain what it's like, to explain that, because I think everybody wants to know, what does it feel like? How does it, did it just one day, there's a guy in my basement, hello, or, you know, <laughs> what does it feel like? Does anything, does anything weird happen? Do you get like a headache? Do you, you know what I mean? Does anything, any body changes happen? Where, what? I think everybody senses differently. Mm-hmm. So, so if you are a person who would like to sense people, one of the things that you can do, and this is something I've learned to help that, is to quiet the noise inside. 
So if you are drinking too much, if you are doing drugs, a lot of people think that that helps you start to see stuff, but sometimes you see things you don't want to see. So yes, as it knocks the conscious mind out, sometimes you can experience something that's scary or dark because that are the heavy energy. Or you open the door and get the doors open. Period. Oh boy. Yeah. You've yeah. opened the door to a lot of yeah, interesting things. All I, sorts of things. I have a, there's a shaman mentor that says that there are more disembodied souls walking on this planet than there are embodied. Interesting. So if you think about it with a billion people on the planet, and they're just looking many, for a place to hop in or, or yeah. looking for a place to hang out yeah. or suck energy or, yeah. you know, they find you curious and they want to like, see what it's like to be you. Yeah. And then they'll attach or they'll follow you around yeah. and, or they miss drinking. So they pop into an alcoholic or they miss sex. So they pop into a, and they show up. Yes. With whatever's going on. Yeah, they're curious. Mm-hmm. You know, just like that's how I is. describe it, at least. That's a really great way to describe yeah. it, actually. But so some people get a tingly; they get a feeling on the back of their neck. Mm-hmm. You know, your body will start to send a signal. You have your energetic body, and when that gets engaged, it will it filters into the physical body. And everyone's different. Some people hear, some people smell. I met a woman yesterday who said she smells her mother, and it's very comforting to her. Some people um, taste. There's another one that gets left out a lot. People, if you start to taste something in your mouth and you think, what is that? Just ask questions. What I do, when I start to sense something, I'll say, show me. Show me what it is. And then if you start to get afraid, you can say, please don't scare me. That is something I had to actually do with some of the spirits that were coming to me. I'm like, look, one, let's not come at 2 a.m. Because that's scary when there's Why a knock on the door. Why is it always there's a knock night, on the you know? door. But I think it's because our conscious mind goes it's down. Open, yeah. yeah, and you're not like we negate the gatekeeper's not there. Yeah, we. I so funny. I had told. I tell the story sometimes. There's. I was living, and my father has this little guest house. It's part of a barn, and I walked out of the bedroom, and it's only like two rooms in a bathroom. So I walked out of the bedroom one night, and there was a woman sitting on the couch. Well, I was so tired. It didn't register. There's a woman sitting in my house on the couch. I lived alone. I walked out and I said to her, are you coming to bed? (laughs) And the woman was wearing black veil, everything you would think at a funeral attire. And there was a little light on next to her. And I said, are you coming to bed? So I go to the bathroom and I said, suit yourself. And I went and got in bed and didn't think anything of it. Did she get in bed with you? Well, I don't know. So, well, the funny thing is, had the more of the question is, is had she been sleeping in the bed with me? Oh, man. Because I that said, are you coming time, to bed? Like your your subconscious knew that had recognized her and you're like, hey, you've been sleeping here every night. Why are you sitting on the couch? Why? Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Do-do-do-do. So a friend of mine, same girl that saved my life, Yvonne, is spending the night at my house with me and we're in the same bed and it faces the um, closet doors and the closet door was a little open and there's a lot of people who are listening who hate to have the closet door open so i anyway, can't sleep with a closet no door me shut. either well i can't sleep with it open now because of this so it was half open and yvonne says to me the next day who was the woman in your closet now i hadn't said anything, anything. about the woman on the couch and she said, I said, what woman? And she said, she's wearing black and a black veil. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Well, Yvonne was in the bed with me. She didn't get in the bed. So whoever this woman is, which I've tracked since. Who is she? she? Was, well, she was part of that property. She had died on that property many, many, many years ago. And that, um, and so she was just lost on the property. We have these lost souls. Yeah. There, there's a difference between a, 
a soul that's crossed over that comes back or one that's kind of stuck in between worlds doesn't and know. doesn't know they're dead yeah or doesn't know where to go yeah i think that's a, that's you just hit the nail on the head that doesn't know they're dead i think that happens a lot yeah, yeah. like the um a sudden accident yes. like you mentioned there was a car accident on the mm-hmm. way here you yeah. know the sudden accident yeah they just don't know what happened yeah We've all experienced something where we go, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Right? Well, that, yeah. Why and, is it that people don't come for them? Why do they not come and say, oh, it's over here. You're, you're coming with us. Well, I think they do. But, then, I, but the person doesn't know they're their in a, They think like, they're in a dream world. And they're like, get away from me or whatever. Yeah. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So I teach a class called Dying Consciously. Mm-hmm. And in the class, you learn how to live consciously so you can die consciously. And... So many people walk around not awake and not conscious. Mm-hmm. And so when you die, guess what? You think it's still a dream. Right. So we've all had those lucid dreams at night where you think it's real. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what they're experiencing, at mm-hmm. least in my thing. Now, some people do know they're dead and they don't know what to do because they haven't developed any kind of relationship mm-hmm. with the divine. Any, and some are attached to their house or, or their people. land or their, yeah. They get it. They can die and attach, stick to you. Not like... I have pulled entities off of people who will say, my grandmother's always with me. And I'm like, yes, she is. She's in your energy field. And they're like, oh, no, don't take her out. And I'm like, okay, look, if we can get her to the spirit world, when we get her to the spirit world, when I get her there, then she can visit and you can use her better than if she's sucking your energy every day and you wonder why you're tired and you want to smoke cigarettes. Totally. <laughs> you know, because that's her behavior. Yeah. Not yours. Yeah. And one of the biggest keys that somebody has when attached is when people will say, God, you're just not acting like yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not. Mm-hmm. This other entity, if you're if you're tired or you've had something to drink or you've taken any kind of drug, will take over and run your life. And then you'll find yourself doing habits. And most of them are unhealthy that you don't want to do. Can I get like a Wall Street stockbroker guy to do that for like an hour and <laughs> make me a millionaire? Yeah. Oh, oh now you're... Yeah. All right, we'll find you an entity. I'm not sure that that's wise. Find a banker entity. Find you a banker entity and stick them into you. Yeah, I've never thought about that. I could have a whole niche like that. I know, right? Right? What entity do you want? You need your taxes done. Hold on. Film. That'd be a great movie. It would be a good movie. Funny movie. Yeah. Right. Anyway. And then we give you one that has all these bad habits. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need any more bad habits. Right. Um. So, okay, wait, we went off the train in a second there. Uh, where were we? Uh, oh, the woman. The woman, so did you ask her who she was? Or it, did you get rid of her? Or what did you do? Like, you don't want to sleep next to this woman. This woman in black. It's a little disconcerting. You know, maybe she's not she was, exactly who I would pick as a partner. Maybe she was in a sweater vest. It would be a little bit better. A sweater black, vest. A black veil is a little... No, she wasn't exactly my type. So yeah. No, you know what? Like, like she had cookies yeah. or something. Right. Anyway. That's funny. So how do you? What do you say to them? To be like, well, it depends. It depends on the situation. <laughs> Some spirits have to be back. Lack of a better word, forced out. Mm-hmm. Meaning, what I usually do though, I try to be gentle. So if you were my client, let's say, and you came to me, and you said, "I have an entity in you," or you have a spirit in your house, you're my first client. So your whatever you would like is what we're going to do. I have to have your permission. My second client is the entity or the mm-hmm. spirit. So I treat them very different. There's a, there's a lot of shamans and um, you'll see, especially in the movies, when they cast these spirits out, they beat them up and they, 
you'll see a lot of hatred towards the spirit. And I don't do that. But even if it's a nasty spirit, and there are some that are not very nice. And when I say not very nice, meaning that their intentions aren't pure and their intentions on earth weren't either. You know, they weren't a good person either on earth. And, and they're still trying to deal with that. But what I do with that is that I treat them as a divine being, a divine part of God, just like everyone else is. And what I do is I spend time talking with them. I actually, I listen. I found that listening to the story is really important. A lot of them just want to tell you their story, right? They want to be heard. And then once I hear their story, and sometimes it's something they want me to convey to like you, let's say if it's you, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not, but usually it is. And the, because there's a reason they're in your house mm. and it's a lesson for you and a sure. blessing. Yeah. And so then I work with whatever that spirit is and what do you need? What do they need? There may be unfinished business and usually it's not. Usually by that point they're good. And then I escort them to the upper world. Sometimes I use my crystal. If they're extremely difficult, I have to use my crystal because a, my crystal is 13 sided and it has, it's double terminated and it was created has no, um, I'll show it to you, has no problems in it, no cracks in it or anything. And what it does What do you is, mean it was created? It's man-made? It's man-made. Oh, okay. Um, but what it does is it creates a light mm -hmm. for them to go to, mm -hmm. but it also holds them mm -hmm. until I can consciously go take them and release them to the four winds or take them to the upper world. Mm -hmm. Because if I just cast them out, guess what? They're going to go somewhere. They're just going to go find somebody else to hang out with. Yeah. And I haven't served them. I've served you, but I haven't served them. Right. And it's really important. And yeah. so many people just beat them up or we, you know, we label them as bad and they're just lost. I love that you're a spirit advocate. That's amazing. <laughs> I am. Yes. Well, you know, I hope that if I get stuck... Yeah. Sure. I don't want to be beat up just because I'm lost. Do you experience things that aren't human much? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Actually, I have found some stuff that I didn't even know. Like? I've never seen before. Mm. I had one client that I pulled this strange looking thing um, out of her. And it was like some sort of weird looking monster. Not, not necessarily scary, just odd. Okay. And... I walked in and told her mom what I had done because she, you know, I had permission and I told her what I'd done and she pointed to the wall and she said, this is her painting. And it was the exact thing I described. Whoa. So the daughter had painted the it. The daughter had painted it because she had seen it. Interesting. And so, you was know, she young, about 14, yeah. but she has, um, a form of Asperger's. Oh. So she couldn't even, we really actually didn't even have a conversation when we had our session, because that's the part of the beauty. You know, a lot of times people say, like when you go to a therapist, you try to describe what's going on. And when you come to me, you don't even have to tell me your story. I don't have to know about abuse or any of that. If you don't want to share your story because it's going to create more pain, you don't have to. Mm. Spirit knows what's going on mm -hmm. and it's all energy. So I take my stones, because we work with healing stones, and you blow that into the stone and the stone then informs me where I'm looking for energy. Mm. Remember, the story is kind of the framework for just the energy. I don't have to have a story. I just need to know yeah, what you want to release. Yeah, because come from this life. It could be from a different life. Or it a different very, oh, I travel all the time. As a shaman, we journey to the past. We go to the past and the future. We go back and forth. And I've cleared lifetimes of things. You can have 
a spiritual contract in a lifetime 2,500 years ago that is now activated that you will act out because it's contract. And it may not be what you want it to be. They never are, quite honestly. Crazy. I had a client that we, we track, I tracked his life, I journeyed and tracked his lifetime to when he was a slave and he was hung. And it was affecting his entire life right now. Hmm. And how did I know that? Because he blew all that energy. We didn't have to have all the words in the story. We just blew the feeling into the stone. And then as we had set the intention, because when we open sacred space, I'm working with your lineage who sees everything. I'm working with spirit who's really doing all the work. Hmm. So it's not me. All I do is I'm just a conduit and I journey and go watch the movie of what spirit shows me. I'll say, show me and I'll see the movie and then I'll say, what do we need to do? Spirit tells me what to do. I do it. Whatever that is. It's not really me doing it, but I'm the hands. I'm the person just holding. Yeah. I'm the live being for the other person. And then I come back and say, this is what was told to me. And I don't question it. Hmm. I just trust the process. Yeah. The beauty is, is because it's not me. Well, how did you know then as a 19, 20, 21 year old that you were, that these gifts were going to end up being something that you would then turn around and help other people? Like, what was, when was that decision made? That I would help other people? You know what I mean? That yes. Yeah. Um, when I didn't kill myself mm. and then my best friend did, mm. I said, I don't understand what the difference is. How did I get out and she didn't? And I, and I still didn't know. So that began my journey. And like everybody, it's a journey. And my journey's still happening. I'm still unfolding. Ten years almost to the day from my Grand Canyon accident, almost to the day. One happened on August the 10th. The second accident happened on August the 19th. I was working on a dude ranch in Colorado because it had always been my dream. And I went to the back country to what we call pack camp, where we camp out in the back country in three million acres. And I was tying a horse up to a really high line where it could graze overnight. And I was standing on a log, tying it up, because I'm so short, as you see. And, and I was tying it up. And the horse hit me and stepped on the log and bumped me and knocked me down. And when it did, I fell. And I screamed, oh, God. I actually knew in that moment when I was falling, I'm going to die, because I felt the horse coming behind me. So I have a 1,200-pound animal with its saddle on, falling. I can feel it behind me. Falling? It's going to fall on me. It's going to fall on me. And I'm falling to the ground, which we're in the Rocky Mountains, so that's not exactly Nobody's gonna a pleasant you. space to fall. Right. Well, and I have my arms straight up in the air. So I fell, and the horse hit me. The horse fell completely on my body, um, crushed me to the ground. Now, again, I have no memory, except for screaming, Oh, God, that was like a prayer, I guess. And as the horse came over and hit me, I have no memory from that point to the next thing. I was out on my hands and knees, just weeping. And I remember hurting, but I was weeping. And I was really far from the horse. And later I asked my friend, because we're there with a group of guests who were up on a hill. And when I screamed, my friend turned Mm. to look and saw the whole... No, we weren't alone. We had about... We had three Wranglers, and then we had about 15 guests. Okay. And she said that, I said, how did I get out from the horse later on when I asked her? And she said, you just put your arms up in the air, and you were drug out, but I couldn't see. Like, I put my arms straight out, and something pulled me out. 
And later I saw there were two, my friend who died and another friend who died had come down as angels and just pulled me out from the horse. But that began the biggest healing journey. And that is when I got very serious, was in that moment. Because I realized as I laid in this house, hurting for 18 months and couldn't do anything, nothing. Because I I had five bulging discs and the doctor said, I don't understand why you're alive. That was the first thing the doctor said. But I didn't get to the doctor for three days. Riding a horse out of there must have been awful. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I sat and she looked at me, the doctor, she walked in, didn't even touch me. She said, I just have one question. I said, okay. She said, why are you still alive? And I said, I guess I have something to do. Yeah. And you know what I told her? I better figure it out because I've almost, I have had two accidents. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was my biggest healing. I finally woke up. I mean, I woke up in the Grand Canyon, but obviously I didn't fully get it. Right. So I began the healing journey and really this, the hero's journey, as people call it, the spirit quest. I started devouring as much as I could to understand how did I get out of where I was and what is my purpose? Because if I don't figure it out, I'm afraid that at the next 10 year anniversary, I'm going to die. <clears throat> Because I'm not getting it. I'm supposed to be getting it. God's trying to get me to get it. Like, and forced me to where I couldn't do anything physically. But read. <laughs> but read, and at the time, the internet was dial-up. And, you know, it. I couldn't get on the internet, really. But to lay here and just go through my own healing journey. And I remember telling my physical therapist when I hurt so bad, I said, when I figure out what this blessing is, I'm going to stop hurting. But I can't figure it out. I don't know what it is. It was very frustrating. So you didn't put two and two together like, oh, you see people that other people don't see. You didn't think. Not at that moment. Hard-headed, aren't you? (laughs) What? Hard-headed, aren't you? (laughs) Very. I'm very stubborn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet my mom told you to say that. Yeah. I am hard-headed. I should have gotten it the first time. You know, but the whole wake-up call thing is real. That's about learning, you know. Sure it is. Yeah. And now I can say, I know what it's like to face death. Sure. And I know what it's like to come back from a horrible injury where you don't think you'll ever ride a horse again. You know, everything of who I was had been stripped away. Did you encounter a lot of people that said you were crazy or were hurtful about your gifts along the way? Or did you, were you spared that? I didn't tell anybody. Still, you hadn't? Mm Mm-mm. Huh. Okay. No. So how does that work? You're sitting with your friends and, you know, their Uncle Bob is standing behind them and Uncle Bob is saying, oh, tell her there's a, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, how would you parlay that if you can't? I'd make it, you know, people would, you know, it's interesting. People can only hear what they want to hear, really. And I became really quick at learning who's open to receive whatever I have to say. Sure, that makes sense. You know, and yeah. I, but I have since learned, and I would hold back, big time. And since then, I've learned to just go for it. So when did you go full force, full throttle? This is who I am. And how old were you at that point? Well, six years. So I started the shamanic path. Well, I've always done the shamanic thing. I was pulling roots out of the ground, sassafras tree. I don't know how I knew this. I would pull these sassafras baby trees up and skin the root and chew on them. Hmm. And my grandfather said, oh, that's what the Native Americans used to do. So I've always, I've always been that way. But yeah. So I consciously started the shamanic journey with the four winds. And I scared myself really bad. Because I, you know, I was seeing chakras and hearing them. And I said something to somebody and I said, so do you hear that chakra? Can you hear it? And they go, no. 
and then I went, you can't hear that. See, I only have an, ex I only have an experience of myself really. Like you only have an experience of you. And unless we start to compare notes, we don't know if we're different. And I just kind of assumed everybody was doing what I do. And it turns out they just have different gifts, but yeah. And but, I think everyone's got a, a level of intuition that they don't even acknowledge. Like they think of a friend who they haven't thought of in a while and the, the phone rings and it's their friend or they go left instead of right. And it turns out if they had gone right, there would have been a bad accident mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's amazing how many people attribute it to luck. And yeah. it's like, it's not luck. It's all by design. Yeah. Everything's there to design and signs are everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere. They will lead you and guide you. And learning how to read them is really actually super fun. I mean, to go, I, I love it. I go, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Like, instead of I think people are bracing afraid. for impact. I mean, definitely afraid of a gift like that. I think so. I just went, you know, so you asked when I went full force. Probably then. I and I don't know that I'm still at full force, truthfully. <laughs> you know, because I haven't shared a lot of the things that I've already shared with you. With anyone. Yeah. For lack You're out now, girl. I'm out now. <laughs> I came out. Um, for lack of being, you know, considered weird or yeah. all the stigma that goes on it. Sure. You know, growing up in the South, I love the South. I love our tradition, but a lot of our traditions are... Um, Fear-based? Well, they are... I'm trying to be nice, but, you know, honestly... I don't know that that's not nice. It's well, just... no, I'm, no, I'm trying to... Not the fear. I'm, oh. I have a lot of other words that are running through my head, oh. but a lot of it's not true. You know, when I do the fire walking, I hear people say, I have to ask my pastor, fire is the devil. No, it's not. Uh, that somehow got assigned to the devil. Um, you know, hell. They're like, oh, witches, you like fire? Witchcraft. That's hell. Yeah, yeah witchcraft, witches. Yeah. And then yet, when we look at the Catholic Church, look at all the mystics, the mystics, including Jesus, who's turning water into wine. And I tell people, you know, Jesus said, we shall do all of these things that he did and greater. Because I've had people actually say to me, who, who are you to talk to spirits? Only priests you can. Uh, so, see, I've been challenged. Yeah. And so I've held back. The temple of God is within you. That, I Correct. Mean, that's, that's in the Bible. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of, the yes, kingdom the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, is within. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, there's a huge message in that. There is. And, you know, priests in back in the day they wanted power and how better to have power than to tell you that you can't find your divinity unless you go through them yeah it makes their that's immediately elevates their status right so fire walking that's interesting because the first recorded one was over four thousand years ago mm -hmm. two brahmin priests challenged each other to see who could walk who had more faith and could walk further on fire okay let's that's a good transition moment first of all why in the world <laughs> Would you be drawn to doing that? To and fire. I've looked at your feet. They don't they don't look burnt at all. No. Nope. So you The skin grafts went in really well. <laughs> you walk <laughs> you walk across fire because why? <laughs> and how do you learn to do that? Yeah, right. I don't um so you know, it's interesting. I step I, in a Lego and I freak out for about Lego. an hour. Hey, listen, the Lego walk is one of the hardest. That's <laughs> like, Legos are like... That would be a hilarious cartoon. It, we have one. There's a... I'll no. send it to you. Yeah, there is one. It oh says the God. ultimate fire walk oh and it says God. Lego fire walk. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. It's but I do walk on broken glass. Whoa. You and uh, Annie Lennox. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We play that song sometimes to lighten things up. <laughs> Me and Annie. Right. She's a good friend of mine. I inspired that song. <laughs> no. Uh, why? Well, you know, I, all right. So the reason I did it 
is because I was a life coach. So most, as you can see, I don't back down from a challenge. And years ago, I decided to become a life coach. I wanted to have a healing retreat center. I've known that since I was a child that I was, I wanted to have, I called it a motivational ranch because I love horses and outdoors. And so I became a life coach and then I did a talk on shamanism and on these energetic processes. And a guy said, Hey, um, I'm going to become a firewalk instructor. We should lead a seminar together. And I said, well, wait, a what? And I had never heard of it. And he came out here to my farm and he led a firewalk and I walked seven times that night. And that was it. I was hooked after the first time. And I signed up the next day to become an instructor. And then after that, I did the extensive training and became a master hmm. in the firewalking world. And I only did it just to keep, I'm still understanding it. You know, I don't understand all of it. And that's what I love about it is because there's always a mystery to it. And why do it? Well, fire, you know, I would have clients sit with me. Everyone has limiting beliefs that come up, including me. Everyone has fear and things like that that come up. And I would always see it in my life coaching sessions. The greatest way to overcome the fear and the limiting beliefs is to work with the subconscious, right? We've talked about that. One of our earliest beliefs is fire burns. Hot, don't touch. You're crawling across the floor in the kitchen. Your mom says, don't touch stove. It's hot, it's hot, it's hot. And we've all had the experience of being burned. And we've all been around campfires or at least a candle and something has burned you, right? Mm -hmm. When you walk across 1,200 degree coals and they're that temperature when we walk because we've tested it and you walk barefooted across it and you don't get burned, it rewires everything. Hmm. Because one of your earliest beliefs being fires burn, I mean fire burns, fire hot. And then on top of that goes, you're not good enough, you're too tall, you're too short, you know, who are you to want to do whatever? And all these beliefs, your first seven years of your life is all about downloading beliefs. Because that's why when they say there's Santa's coming, we go, woohoo! And then when we're about seven or eight, we say, we don't have a chimney. How's he getting in here? Right? Mm -hmm. and, and science has said that, that you're just in a hypnotic state. So you're believing everything. And most of it is BS, truthfully. Or at least that's what you remember is the BS. You don't remember the good stuff, unfortunately. Mm. You work, you know, the hurts, the hurts stick. Mm. And when we walk on fire, no, you, it is so hard to explain because flesh burns and melts at 430 degrees. So how is it that you're able to walk? Do you get people that do get burnt when they do it? They I must have to sign a waiver that is... Well, they do have to sign a waiver. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's simply because, it, you know, we've all heard the person who says, hey, y'all watch this. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. then it turns out poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, you know, if somebody's going to go dive head first into my fire that's a bad thing. yeah know. so i do have a waiver but the worst that i have seen happen at any of my fireworks and including myself is to get what we call a fire kiss which is no worse than if you have a new pair of shoes and you get a little blister mm -hmm. and here's the interesting thing about that the time that i got my fire kiss was one of the greatest lessons i've had mm -hmm. one it reminded me that that fire is the boss fire's the teacher and where i got the fire kiss on my foot was in my adrenal gland because everyone you know in reflexology yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so every point oh, ends. sorry i know that but we should yeah, explain that yeah, yeah so in reflexology every um 
every organ has a point in your foot. Mm-hmm. And when you walk on the fire, if there's a weakness mm-hmm. in that organ, or if it needs attention, I have found that, that sometimes that's where you get a kiss. Mm-hmm. So I got it on my adrenal glands, and it was a day I was extremely exhausted and had been pushing and pushing and pushing. And I looked at it as the fire gave me energy, and it burned away heavy energy mm-hmm. or whatever was preventing me from healing. And when it's all in how you look at it. Were you scared the first time you walked across the fire? Of course. Oh, my gosh. Well, the worst part is, is when the guy was coming out here, I had spent days and weeks telling myself, I am not walking on fire. I wanted to so bad. But I love campfires. I had camped my whole life. And I, I just love fire. You know, it's so warm and inviting and it's fun no, to play everybody with. Loves, yeah, it's, yeah. It's extremely inviting. Yes, but are you kidding me? Put my little feet for no reason. See, that's the thing. Everybody goes, well, wait a minute. This is, I mean, there's no child on the other side dying that you would run across the sure. fire. And this is where my day, when it, before we work up to the fire, that is what I do with you is we're going to, that fire is a metaphor for everything in your life that stops you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a goal, you have a dream and it's on the other side of the fire. So we look at what are our limiting beliefs and why would I, why do I even want to go across the fire? And then what does it mean if I do cross the fire? And, and I have a whole process I put you through throughout the day, including some other small breakthrough activities that get you out of your comfort zone on purpose. Mm-hmm. And what do you do when fear comes up? Because guess what? Fear's not going to go away. A lot of people say, so you firewalk to overcome fear. No, I firewalk to know how to take fear and make it work for me, not against me. So when I feel fear, when I'm standing in front of the coals, And this is what I tell people. Don't make a decision until you're in front of the coals. If the fire invites you, you go. If it doesn't, you don't. And I teach you how to use your intuition. So you were talking about how do, you know, how do people develop their gifts like what I have? Well, you develop it by practice. And like you said, working the muscle. When you're standing in front of the fire, you have to learn how to listen to the intuition in you. It's not, you aren't reading my intuition. I have to read it. And like every one of my participants, I teach them how to do it. Not like I walk up and go, it's your time to go because it's not about me. So you have to learn how to know your own intuition. And then when the fear comes up, what are you going to do with it? Because in this society, we drink, we run away, we distract ourselves, we sleep, we overeat, we have too much sex. We, we divorce somebody because it's too scary to be with them. So we run. And that fire is only, sometimes windows are only open for a minute, right? An opportunity to do something new. And that fire, and I tell people. Or we don't divorce somebody because we're too scared. That's the bigger one. That's the bigger one. Yeah, that's the bigger one. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't embrace our life. And unfortunately, I've sat with people at the end of their life go, oh, I wish I woulda. So this is a great time to, to develop that muscle in a safe environment with me. Who understands? I know what it's like to face the devil, to face your death, to face heartbreak, to face all of it. What do you mean by to face the devil? I think every ear just perked up. (laughs) To face the devil? Yeah. Like, what? Did you face the devil? Yeah, I face the devil a lot. The devil's inside you, you know, your shadow parts. Yeah. It's the shadow. Yeah. No one wants to look at their shadow parts. No one wants to look at... The truth about me is, is that I'm a procrastinator. I mean, that's one of my shadows is I procrastinate. It's my worst enemy. Me too. It really is. And, and procrastination is actually fear. At its correct. Root. Yeah. 
fear of something, success right. or failure. Right. Or and a lot of time, <laughs> and you know what? You will sit in that indecision place until it's so uncomfortable that you have to do something different. But you don't always make the right choice. So yeah, facing the devil, facing yourself. And here's what happens. You're standing in front of the fire and you have one voice that goes, oh my gosh, she just did it. I saw that person walk, whether it's just me or not. I want to do this. I want to do it. I want to do it. And then guess what pops up? The devil. That voice that says, who do you think you are? Lori has trained all over the world. You're going to be the one person that as soon as you step on the fire, you're going to combust. You're about to embarrass yourself. Remember the time when you were in high school and you did blah, blah, blah. All your devil and all I believe that is, is the error thoughts. Mm -hmm. But it's the subconscious programming. And every bit of that runs through there at 90 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk or are you going to, what are you going to succumb to? Because you know that fire is only open for a certain window. And I watch people, there's a, there's an internal struggle that goes on. And it, and really, by the time we get to the fire, we've already worked through a lot of that because I've put you through some other things that are very surprising throughout the day. And one thing is, people show up, I don't tell them what we're doing during the day. And they'll go, why are we here nine hours? We're just going to firewalk. I'm like, oh yeah, get ready. Because the real work is done before we get to the fire. The fire is really the graduation, it's the rite of passage. Mm. And But you do get to experience it. And you you can decide... And you get to hear all this BS and the head trash and the devil talking to you. And it's all the fear. It's all the thing. Everything that's ever stopped you from following your dreams in the past is what's going to come up. Because fire will demand your attention. It's red. It's 1,200 degrees. You've just watched me burn 100 pieces of wood that have a flame 40 feet high. And believe me, when we light it, you have to back way up. It's hot. So now you're like, uh-oh. What am I going to do? I don't know what, you know, and, and you have to decide. Mm -hmm. And once you decide, it will it doesn't happen again. So what happens now for me, if fear comes up, I go, oh, hey, I know you. And then I listen to it. Now, is it the fear to get out of the road because a car's coming? Because that's always going to be there, fight or flight. Or is it the fear that when it comes up, I go, I just turn now and face it. And I go, what are you trying to teach me? Is this a different shadow piece? Or if I'm really scared, sometimes it means I really need to do it because it's really big. It's really big. It's like, like stepping out and saying, you know, I almost killed myself. So do you learn something different every time you do it? Every time. Yourself? Yeah. Every time. And every fire is different and every group's different. And I have a lot of people who come back over and over. And I teach it so many different styles and different ways. And I cater it to my group. So most of the time now I don't have any notes. I say what needs to be said. I just open up into a channel and say, this is what Susan needs to hear. So, and I don't always know who needs to hear it. I just say whatever needs to be said. Mm -hmm. And I do have a sort of a structure of like, you know, how to walk and that kind of stuff. But the weather, you know, environment, how people show up that day, that's all. But our group made a contract together somewhere along the way to say, we're going to get together and grow together. So and cool. this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what does being a shaman mean exactly to you? How about that? <laughs> to, to me, yeah. to me. That's a, that's a huge question. So yeah, it is a huge let's, question. Let's narrow it down a little. Let's just to, boil it down. To uh, you. you know, being a shaman is like, I, I believe we're all shamans in our own way. It's our way of life. It's a, it's a way of being in the world. So I interact with nature all the time. You know, I'm consciously aware 
of not stepping on a bug on the sidewalk, of allowing the butterflies to have plenty of food, you know, realizing that they are me and I'm them Mm -hmm. and to be part of that. And on a, on an energetic level, realizing there's so many dimensions that we're in at all different times. Right. And that I can journey. It's, it's, it's not, it's not that hard to, to be, um, expansive. So it's being a shaman is about being expansive. It's about journeying. It's about knowing that your healing is really my healing too. So, you know, I'm just, this just happens to be what I do. And every client that sits with me, I'm blessed just as, you know, I hope I bless them, but I'm also blessed. So it's just a way of being, it's a way of holding space and it's a way allow for allowing for healing and helping to shed off whatever needs to be shed. Do you have a fire walking uh, happening soon, anytime in the future for people to check To come it out? to? I'm going, yes. Or, and can people just come and watch? Do they have to be part of the thing? It's not, is it not a... Well, here's, here's, so far I haven't opened to just watching. I do, in Middle Tennessee, I do the fire walks on my farm here. I will travel to wherever anyone is to do a fire walk. I was in Omaha, Nebraska last year. So I will come to you and bring my team and I will go anywhere. I've been to Spain. I've been all over the place to lead these fire walks. So if someone, I will say yes, because the fire, I believe draw is what's telling me where to go. And you know, and here's the thing about spirit too. a shaman. When shamans believe that when we call spirit, spirit comes, it's a contract we have. So I have a contract with spirit. When I need spirit, I call spirit. And when spirit needs me, I go. So if somebody calls me and says, hey, will you come do a fire walk? I go, sure, because I feel like that that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. Um, as far as watching, I tell people, if you'll come to the seminar part of the day, whether I'm doing a four-hour or an all-day or a multi-day, if you have not received your money's worth before the fire walk, I give it all back to you. Mm-hmm. The fire walk is really just the icing, because the whole day really is not about the fire walk. It's about what we're going to do prior to the firewalk. And the firewalk is your rite of passage and your graduation. But not every fire is one for everybody to walk on. So that's why if you haven't received your money's worth before the firewalk, I'll give it to you. I'll give it back to you. Because when you get to the fire, if it's not your time to walk, it's not your time. I had a woman who did not walk one time. And when we were doing the share, she said she didn't walk because her husband told her she had to. And I didn't know he had said that to her. But all the way over to my house, he'd said, you have to walk. And they got in a big argument. She said, I took back my power. So she had more, more empowerment by going, nope, I'm not doing it just because you told me to. I know I can. I'm not, you know, and she had walked before too. So, you know, so there is that thing. And, and just watching someone else walk is empowerment. It's like when we watch the Olympics, right? Somebody does something crazy with their body. And you have some videos that I'll put on heyhumanpodcast.com that people can go and look at that as well. I do. The biggest thing about the fire walk, though, is not just overcoming fear and learning intuition. It's about tasting that you're divine and divinity. Because when you can do that, you know, it just shows you that you're much more than your body. You're much more than what you think you are. Right. Every time I walk, I go, whoa. And I'm humbled by it. I'm like, I just can't... I just can't imagine that we have this ability. If we could do this, what else can we do? Lots of things. Lots of things. Yeah. We're so unlimited in our potential. Yeah. I talk about that. I, I, I brought that up in one, I don't remember which podcast it was now, but I, I had read something about the, you know, the woman that lifts the, the car off the baby. And then it made me think about um, 
the people back in the I don't know 80s or whatever when Angel Dust was the thing and and these people on Angel Dust would fight off 10 cops and have superhuman strength and all that and it it got me to thinking that you know the the woman that's lifting the baby or the guy on the Angel Dust fighting off 10 men and having the strength of 20 men um they already had that right it's just in the adrenaline rush of their baby under or their kid under the car their gates flew down and yeah. suddenly who they actually are and what they're actually capable showed up. Right. And the person on the angel dust, their gates are completely down. And so it makes me think, you know, maybe we can walk through walls. Maybe we all, I think about that when I'm in the gym, as strange as that is, I think about the angel dust guy and I think, of course I can lift this weight that looks unbelievably <laughs> heavy because right. I can lift a hundred times that. I just haven't given myself permission right or you know i've limited mm-hmm. that thought pattern so well and that's the thing about the fire we've all seen fires burn down houses sure and destroy and burn up people and burn up people we've seen way. right i was at vanderbilt with uh, my mother recently and there was the burn unit you know and everyone they've been burned horribly yeah and you know and here i am Con- uh, for no real reason i'm walking i mean yeah. there's not a there's not a reason yeah except for that i am learning how to use my mind yeah. and my soul in a way that is like you're saying unlimited because and and that's why with the advanced trainings i've walked really long distances on fire and deep fires and stood on fire and mm-hmm. like just to see what can i do with my mind you know, mm-hmm. and of course I didn't start out there. The only difference between me and you is that I've already walked on fire. Yes. It really is. I just did it first before yeah. you. Right. Yeah. Anyone can do it. And we're all walking on our various fires all the time, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you go through something hard, like my mom just recently had cancer and she passed away. And when she had cancer, I was like, this is just another fire walk. Yeah. I just take one step in front of the other. I pull from it all the time. The strength mm-hmm. and the fact that I did it. You know, when you think you can't do something, and we all run up against those parts where we go, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this. So what are you going to do? Are you going to run away from the fire? Yeah. Because that won't serve you. Yeah, right. Well, right? and then if you run away from the fire, guess what? The fire will still be there. <laughs> it gets bigger. Well, it shows up in various other ways. Sure. You know, that's certainly true. Sure. Yeah. And then you're surrounded by it. I do many different retreats and workshops and seminars, and I'll customize it to whatever people want. They want to learn about shamanism. They want to have, you know, a ceremony or a lot of my clients are over the phone Mm. and I, cause energy knows no time or space and it's beautiful. They can call me from their home in their pajamas right before they go to bed or in the morning or whenever on a weekend and we can have a session. Oh, it's also interesting. Yeah. There's a lot. There's so much. I can probably talk to you all day. Um, But I, I feel like I, I think we've pretty much covered all the the basic stuff. But I, oh, that was my stomach growling very loudly. <laughs> if you guys heard that, <laughs> that was my right. my stomach demon just said food. Um, so cool. Thank you so much. Oh for no, thank you for coming. That was fun. You're very fun to talk to. Oh, so. good. Yeah, I know. Good. I could talk to you all day. Yeah, too. it's <laughs> wonderful. I'm, I'm just I'm fascinated by it all. Um, it's such a part of of me anyway, and. Uh, I just, I'm tickled. Thank you. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm really glad you came. And you can find Lori. I'll put, I'll put all the links up. Lori, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Yay.